0: chapter 1 we're going to start in verse 26 and we're going to say this um, then God said let us make human beings in our image I'm reading for the New International to be like us they will reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky the livestock all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals shall scurry along the ground so God created human beings in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. Daniel, fast people, that's your scripture. (laughs) And I have given every green plant as food. Were all the wild animals the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground everything that has life and that is what happened then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good and everything passed and morning came marking the sixth day. The title of my message this morning comes from Elvis Presley. Are you lonesome tonight? <laughs> Go ahead and have a seat. <coughs> I take it y'all remember that song? I can't, I can't sing it. Actually, is there any way Toby to turn this one off? Because um, it's kind of stirring up my, my stuff. <coughs> I wanna, first of all, uh, let you know how proud I am of so many of you who have started the Daniel Fast. How many of you started the Daniel Fast, amen? <laughs> oh my gosh! that is awesome that is so awesome for those of you who don't know what the Daniel fast is the Daniel fast is that we are fasting for 40 days and um, the Daniel fast consists of only things that are grown on trees or grown on the ground that's it some of you are thinking oh my god how am I going to live you know what you do, there's so much food that you just don't tap into because you're so used to eating fast food. You're so e- used to eating processed food. So by now, this is Sunday, so everybody's gotten through their headache. <laughs> How many of you say, Hallelujah? hallelujah. <laughs> you kicked the caffeine, you kicked the sweets, the sugar, you kicked all that stuff. Do you know you guys are still addicts? Your body is telling you you're hooked because you're getting headaches. Your body's reacting to that stuff. So I, I'm right in there with you, okay? I did that, and uh, it's done. So And and I'm so glad that we started it then because now we had three or four days to get past, and now full speed ahead, amen? amen? I've gotten so many emails from so many women that are getting creative with all of the uh, their recipes and oh my gosh it's so fun to look at all man these women will figure out a way to get their food they have figured out how to have guacamole and chips they have figured out how to have all kinds of stuff it's just amazing so if you have any questions you know what i'm going to put cindy in charge of giving you recipes because she is uh emailing everybody along with everybody else so if cindy wave your hand okay so if you want a recipe if you're like i'm stuck i don't know what to do there is women in this church that have thought of so many creative ideas on how to do vegetables and fruits and so it's good it's really really good and if you haven't joined in and you're saying i want to be part of that daniel fast come on in The more the merrier, the more the blessing, the more the sensitivity to God's movement in not only your life, but in this church. And as we move together in this fast, you're going to be able to experience the presence of God, the sensitivity of God. You are going to be so heightened in your sensitivity as you walk in your daily life. So you're welcome to come on in and join us. Lee Strobel wrote in his book called God's Outrageous Claims. He said, people today will admit any problem. They will admit they're on drugs, they're divorced, they have an alcoholic problem. But there's one admission that people hate to make, whether they're a star on television or someone who fixes TVs in a repair shop, because it's just too embarrassing. And what it does is it penetrates too deeply to the core of who we really are. People don't want to admit that they're lonely. They'll admit to everything else, but nobody wants to say, I'm lonely. Loneliness is such a humiliating malady that it ought to have its own politically correct euphemism, relationally challenged, or its own telethon. Lee Strobel goes on to say, anything to make it safer to confess, because right now it's a taboo, an affliction of losers and misfits, and to be honest, of respectable people like you and me. George Gallup took a poll, and he said that Americans, Americans, are among the loneliest people in the world. It seems unbelievable that Americans would be lonely when you think of all of the availability of transportation, when you think of all the billions of dollars that we spend on entertainment. We have so much activity. We can buy so much activity. How can we be lonely when we have so much available for us? We're surrounded by more people than ever before in the history of this country. We're like matchboxes. Have you seen the brand new houses? There's no yards. They're just connected. We're getting like New York. It's so congested. We have greater technology that provides all of the connectivity that we need through cell phones and the internet. With all these advantages that we have in life, how can we still be the loneliest people in the world? The answer is because we've lost something vital, and something very important to our well-being. We're so fast-paced that most people have now relocated and have moved far away from family and friends. Loneliness is an emotional state that few people will admit to. And the reason is, is that we think we're the only ones that struggle with this feeling. We think we're the only ones that feel like this. I want to let you know, you're not the only one. We all feel lonely at times. Randy Frazee in a book called Connecting Church talks about the three obstacles that will tear apart biblical community. He says the first thing that tears apart biblical community or biblical relationships is individualism. That's when we stand alone. We're completely self-dependent. We don't need anybody and we don't even need God sometimes. We can come to church and we can raise our hands, but we still don't need God because we're so independent. We're so individualistic. That's what society teaches us. Secondly, he says isolation. We shut ourselves off from others. We wall in. We're so hurt. We're so wounded. We fence ourselves in. We lock ourselves in because we're not going to allow ourselves to be hurt any more than what we are. And the other thing is consumerism. Those three things. Consumerism is to feed me, entertain me. And there's a lot of you that when you come to church, you expect to be entertained. If you expect to be entertained, you're going to have to go to another church. Because this is not an entertaining church. This is a church that's going to preach the word of God just the way it is. I'm not going to make any bones about it. I'm not going to give it to you really freely. And, and you know, this is not... Cherry-flavored cough syrup. The word of God doesn't always give it to you in strawberry or cherry or the flavor you like. When I was growing up, there was no such thing as cherry or strawberry or, or all of those things. You just got it straight. Uh, what is the one that's now, like, Robitussin? Uh. But does it work? Yes. The straight stuff the truth. How did we get so messed up when in the scriptures that I read, God, he created us, and he said, it's good. How did we get so messed up? How did we find ourselves so involved in individualism and isolation and consumerism? What happened to us? Well, the Garden of Eden messed us all up. Our whole self-image got messed up when Adam and Eve fell away from their relationship with God. It's like if you go out to a lake and it is so beautiful and so peaceful and that water is just clear and if it's right near a mountain, you'd be able to see the mountain in the water and it's a perfect reflection and you see how beautiful it is but all you got to do is pick up a little rock and throw it in there And that whole reflection is all messed up. It's marred. And that's kind of what happened with us. We were a perfect reflection of God. He says that he made us in his image, in his image. Not that we're God, but we're supposed to be God-like. And that sin kind of messed up that whole image. There was a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times who admitted to her loneliness. And this is what she wrote. She said, this loneliness saddens me. How did it happen that I could be 42 years old and not have enough friends? She ended her column by saying this, I think there are women out there who don't know how lonely they are. It's easy enough to fill up the day with work and family but no matter how much I enjoy my job and love my husband and my children, I still continue to feel this deep void of the emotion of loneliness. I recently read my daughter Hans Christian Andersen's story of the ugly duckling. I immediately felt a kinship with this bird that flies from place to place looking for creatures with which he can share commonality. He eventually finds them. I hope I do too. And that's how she ended the article. What happened the next day after that Chicago Sun-Times article went out is that the operator was absolutely flooded with calls. Emails and letters poured in from housewives, executives, university professors, and ministers. The column generated seven times more mail than any other article that she had ever written before in all the years that she had been working as a columnist. Lee Strobel said the reason that that happened was because they wanted to share their pain, their frustration, and their feeling of separation. The article actually appeared to be somewhat therapeutic in that many were tremendously relieved to discover they weren't the only ones who experienced those dark periods of loneliness. How many of you know the singer Sting? He had those feelings, too, because he wrote them in one of his songs. And the words said, seems I'm not alone at being alone. Hundred million castaways all searching for a home. Time after time, musicians have sung on this subject. Elvis Presley, are you lonesome tonight? Loneliness. There's a genuine reason why we feel this way. It's not because we're weak, and it's not because we're needy, and it's not because we're codependent. It's not a weak area or a character flaw to desire to have a relationship with other people. The reason that we have this need for fellowship and friendship is because that's the way God created us. He created us to have relationship. He created us to have fellowship. There's a little poem that I picked up by Lois Cheney. She says, Feeling blue, th- this is how we deal with our loneliness. Feeling blue, buy some clothes. Feeling lonely, turn on the radio. Feeling despondent, read a funny book. Feeling bored, watch TV. Feeling empty, eat a Sunday. Feeling worthless, clean a house. Feeling sad, tell a joke. Ain't this modern age wonderful? You don't have to feel nothing. There's a substitute for everything. God, have mercy on us. So many of us here willingly live outside of meaningful relationships with others. God, have mercy on us because we're the ones that isolate. We're telling ourselves we don't need other people. We're telling ourselves, I'm okay. If I were to ask you, who are the closest people to you? And if you were to tell me Jesus and my spouse, I would tell you, I don't think so. Because there are things that you don't tell your spouse. I don't care how close you are. As close as I was to my husband for 27 years, there were things I didn't tell him, because there were things he couldn't understand. He was a man. I'm a woman. He doesn't understand all the stuff that women go through. And, you know, I didn't understand what he went through until I came into this position. I was like, oh, my God, how come he didn't tell me? Well, he couldn't tell me because I couldn't understand. And that's what men and women do. So we don't tell each other, and we live together, and we work together, and we love together, but we don't be transparent with each other. So consequently, we find ourselves alone. There's hardly any human need stronger than the need to belong. We were created this way. Every single one of us came out of the womb screaming. And we came out of the womb screaming for warmth, for companionship, and for someone else's heartbeat. We were rudely ripped out of that peaceful and relaxing life in our mother's womb, and we came into a cold, impersonal, and lonely world. No wonder babies cry. And the rest of our lives, we're trying to find that intimacy again. Everyone knows what this is because we've all had the same experience once. We all know what it is to be close, so close to someone that a heartbeat would calm us down. We all know what it feels like to be united with someone. Because no man and no woman is an island. We were made to be together. Salvation is not an individual matter. It's a group effort. When the church functions like it's supposed to function, then we really give evidence to the community and to everybody else that we are the body of Christ. You cannot serve God alone. We are a group. It says we are the body of Christ. We, there's not just one person that's the body. We all make up the body. Every single one of us makes up the whole body of Christ. So you cannot stay, say, you know what, I'm going to serve God at home. I'm going I'm to have a church pastor on TV. I'm going to have a, a pastor on the radio. You can't do that because where's the body? Where's your connection? Where's your relationship? How do you grow? Who rubs you the wrong way? How are you going to grow if nobody rubs you the wrong way? You can isolate yourself and you can pretend I don't need anybody, but I'm going to let you know if you don't need anybody, you're not going to grow. You're just not going to grow. So what does this mean? It means, number one, that you're not alone. That's what, why I love that song that A.J. sang, because you are not alone. But we need to give priority to our relationships with other believers because who we are depends on our relationships. There is no such thing as individual spiritual growth. We've got worldly concepts for making and keeping friends. We come into these doors with prejudices, with hang-ups, with clicking off, with withdrawing, with isolation. We got problems. When we come into this church, we find that God wants to strip us. And we don't want God to do it. So what we do is we find ourselves just making our own little cocoon, safeguarding ourselves. You know what? It's okay I can come here. I don't need to connect with anybody. OK, I'll, I'll, I'm here. You know, I've done my duty to God and my country. I'm here. I, My parents told me I needed to be here. My wife told me to be here. My husband told me to be here. I'm here. OK, now don't bug me all week long. And that's kind of our concept. But I want to let you know something today. We need each other. Women need women. Men need men. We understand each other. We identify with each other. Friendships are hard. Nobody acts, walks, or talks the same. We all got complexes. We all have insecurities. We all have hurts. When I first came into Victory Outreach 35 years ago, I had a very independent spirit of friendship because I viewed everyone, everyone, as a potential hurt. Everyone that came around me, it was like, okay, you can only come so far, just so far, because I'm not going to let you hurt me. By 17 years old, I had been so hurt and so wounded that I wasn't going to let anybody else in that close again. And I would serve people. And I was in the church. And I was even in leadership but I protected myself. I used my head in relationships and not my heart. And you can do that. You can. There are people here. You do that. Because you're protecting yourself. And I fought with myself because I knew that that's not how I really wanted to be, but I had been so wounded that that's how I began to live. And that's how the enemy wanted me. He wanted me to be in relationships with my mind and not my heart. But I've learned some things about relationships throughout these years because I've thrown that concept out. I've learned that Jesus had needs for friends. He had Lazarus. He had Mary. He had Martha. He had John. He had all these different people. Paul had Timothy. David had Jonathan. All of these people had friends. And it was kind of like I would read and I would say, Lord, I I want a David and Jonathan relationship. I want a a Paul and Timothy relationship. I want a, a Jesus and John relationship. I think that's what we all want, but we're so afraid of being hurt. So how do we develop these kind of relationships? How do we develop these friendships? Well, one of the best ways that I know of in this church is to get into a small group. I went to a class yesterday, and they said, that churches need one small group for every seven people in the church. So I was talking to Pastor Adam, and I was telling him we're 35 small groups short. 35 small groups short. So what does that mean? There are 35 leaders in here that need to raise up. 35 people that need to be able to say, you know what, I can lead a small group. Now, let me let let you know something. Small groups don't have to be Bible studies because some of you are saying, well, I don't know the word that well. They don't have to be Bible studies. You could be having coffee at Starbucks, not during these 40 days, but after that, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Don't tempt yourself. (laughs) You can have a small group at Starbucks. Just get together and just have, you know, fellowship, coffee, just talk. You could have girls having a chick flick night, getting together, watching a movie, fellowship, laugh, pray. Guys who like to fix up old cars or the motorcycles, getting together, going to the batting cages, doing things together, building relationships, opening up in prayer, connecting for two hours and closing in prayer. That's what we need. Now, I'm not taking away from learning from the word of God because there's a a balance. But what I'm saying is that for some of you, you just got to get out and connect with somebody. There needs to be a connection. That's why we changed the name of our leaders. It's been a year and a half. We've started calling them connectors. Not leaders, connectors. Because that's what they're supposed to be doing is connecting you. Those of you who are connectors, let me talk to you just for a second. If you're over over a ministry or you're a small group leader and you're wondering why you can't get people involved in your group, you know why? Because you need to develop relationships. Develop friendships. That means you're going to have to reach out and touch someone. That means that you can't leave church right away as soon as amen and you're out the door. How are you going to build your small group if you don't even know anybody? How are you going to build your small group if you never come up and pray for anybody? you got to touch their hearts before you ask for their hands. Check your calendar. Arrange some lunches. Invite some people over. I don't care if you have orange walls and, and gray rugs. or It doesn't matter. People don't are not concerned about how your house looks they're concerned about their need a hospitality you know what hospitality is a hospitality means that you're a hospital and you're a hospice if you look in the dictionary hospitality falls in between those two words and a hospice is a place of safety a place where i can go rest a place where i can put my feet up A place where I'm tired, can I go and sit down on your couch? That's a hospice. And a hospital is a place where the sick go. And if you have the gift of hospitality, then open up your house so people can come and rest and get healed. (laughs) You go where you're absolutely ready to get healed and rested. And there's a lot of you that you haven't, you've been looking at your house, you've been looking at yourself, I can't, I can't, I can't. Forget that cannot and just put I can. I can. We have this built-in need for community. And we're incomplete from significant relationships with other people. That's why when God created the first man and he pronounced everything good, he just said there was one thing that was not good. And that's found in Genesis 2.18 where it says the Lord God said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, before you go off and begin to start thinking this is a marriage scripture. Because <laughs> this is what guys always like to use. Guys love this scripture. That, you know, especially you know, the, the single ones. Not the married ones. The single ones because they're looking for a wife. I got the scripture here that says I'm not supposed to be alone. (laughs) Do your exegesis, all right? Find out this is, which means do your study in the word. Know that this isn't a scripture for marriage. This is a scripture for fellowship. This is a scripture for community. This is a scripture that has a built-in need for deep, satisfying relationships. So, single guys, don't be using that scripture as your as your scripture. Dr. Robert Putnam, who is a a Harvard professor, did a study. And he says this. He says, Americans as a whole don't volunteer, don't join clubs, don't know their neighbors, don't trust each other, and otherwise neglect the basic needs of fellowship as outlined in Genesis. The result is we have a nation of strangers who are increasingly unhappy, alienated, crime-ridden, and continually live in isolation. This study that he did interviewed about 29,000 people in over 40 different communities throughout the United States. And the ending says this, he concludes by saying, the chief culprits robbing Americans from relationships and causing increased feelings of loneliness include computers, TV, longer work hours, the rise of two earner families, and increased ethnic diversity. The American Demographics put out a report that said 54% of pet owners would choose their pet as a companion over another human being on a desert island. Gee! I'm not going to ask in this room how many would choose their pet. I would. (laughs) But uh, isn't that sad that we would choose our pets over humans? Because we really need each other. And when we deny that fact, it robs us of the fullness that God had in mind when he created us. So there's only one way to fight loneliness. And that is to go on the offensive, and that's to build relationships, to build solid relationships. They're just not going to happen. They take a lot of work. Amen, married couples? Relationships take work. Some of you singles, you think, oh, when I get married, oh, my God, everything's just going to be perfect. (laughs) See, those are the married couples laughing. (laughs) Everything's just going to work out. This is Mr. Perfect. This is Mrs. Right. We're just going to click We're Mr. and Mrs. Right, Mr. and Mrs. Perfect, and we are going to live happily ever after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> it takes work. It takes a lot of work, because let me tell you something. Those of you who, who are still in youth or young adults or you're single, when you're dating, you are not who you are. You are, you are putting your best foot forward, and it is so shined, it is so shined. You can see your face in it. After you get married, pff, you go years without shining that shoe. You burp. You do a lot of things, OK, <laughs> that you wouldn't do when you're dating. It takes work. So, what I'm saying is that, you know, it, it, if you're going to date, don't rush into a relationship. Just don't rush into it. I have not met one married couple, not one, that ever said, we waited long enough. Every married couple that I've ever met said, I wish I would have waited just a little bit longer if I would have known them just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Now, you can't wait forever, but the thing is is that don't be in such a rush because it takes a lot of work. When you're ready to work, then get married. How do we build relationships? I don't know how I got off on there, but <laughs> come back. How do we build relationships? First of all, through a common bond. First Samuel 18, 1 Samuel 18.1 says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. To have a bond means that you have something in common. There's something that you like about that other person. You just hit it off. That's having affinity, or that's having a common bond. This was a friendship between David and Jonathan. Because after David finished talking to his father, that's when he met David his son, and immediately they clicked and they became the best of friends for the rest of their life. You have to have a common bond with another person before you can build a deep and lasting relationship. One of the most important characteristics of friendship is that you have to have a friend that is going to encourage you and help you grow in your spiritual life. 1 Samuel twenty three sixteen says, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. When you're gonna have friends, you gotta have them, first of all, they gotta, they gotta know the Lord. Do, I mean, that's not to say you can't have any friends that aren't Christian, but you better have more friends that are Christian than non-Christian. Because these friends have to be able to do this. They have to be able to encourage you to stay strong in the faith. Lasting friendships take place when people hold similar values and similar beliefs. That's why Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? No. It's not going to happen. You have to start with a common bond. Does this mean that you're never going to disagree? Does it always mean you're going to see eye to eye? Nope. But you'll have a lot of areas where you harmonize. That's why finding relationships in church is the best thing, because you do have the same beliefs. You do have the same bonds. You just have to work through a lot of stuff. But as we commit our lives to Christ and we become his and we grow spiritually, then that's when we can develop unity. Secondly, not only do you have to have common bond, but you have to have complete acceptance. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in the time of need. It implies that both the friend and the brother are valuable companions. The picture that is true friends and relatives are faithful with you when you're going through difficult times through adversity as well as prosperity. Character is shown in our ability to form friendships. There are some people that don't form friendships. And I would tell you, your character really needs to grow. It really does. Because true friends never desert you or ignore you. In life's toughest times, friends always will find a way to help you. How can you remain a friend in the best and worst of times? By complete acceptance. Just accepting them just the way they are, warts and all. How many people have you dropped like a hot potato when you have a disagreement with them? Deep relationships require that we have to accept Another person and true friends sit down and work through their issues, work through their differences. They don't just throw the whole relationship away because they've had a difficult time. The third thing is consistent authenticity. Romans 12:10 says to love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Genuine affection has to be real. You ever been around somebody that's not real? I mean, and they'll say, Oh, God bless you. And you're like, Hello. They don't even look at you in the eye. They look over you, they look around you, they look down, but they just don't look at you in the eye. Genuine, consistent authenticity. To be genuine means that you're real, you're honest about who you are and how you feel. See, we're all about making good impressions and keeping up appearances, and we never go deep in our relationships. Being genuine means communicating to our friends the truth of what's really going on in our lives. Not pretending that everything is fine. Have you ever, you know, we have this whole what they call jargon, Christian jargon, which is like a language in church. How are you doing? How are you doing? What's another thing you say? How are you doing? Fine. You're dying on the inside. Literally dying on the inside. But you come in with this Christian jargon. Blessed. Praise God. I'm fine. And you're not. And you walk in and you walk out with the same heavy heart. Being genuine means being real. Even Jesus admitted to his need when he had his hour of pressure. He admitted it the night before his execution, knowing what was going going to take place, Jesus revealed his feelings to his friends, Peter, James, and John, that he had took with him up to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is what he said in Matthew 26. He said, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, he began to show grief and distress of mind and was deeply depressed. Can you imagine Jesus deeply depressed? The Bible says that. Then he said to them, my soul is very sad and deeply grieved so that I am almost dying of sorrow. Stay here and keep awake and watch with me. Now this is the new international version, but the words, we get the gist of it. He was going through it. Talk about feeling alone. Talk about feeling abandoned. Talk about feeling rejected. It says that he was deeply depressed. He didn't say, man, I'm going to go get crucified, but I'm not really worried about it. Don't. Don't be afraid for me. I'm, I'm fine. I'm blessed. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over there. Knock, it, it ain't nothing but a meatball. I can handle this. Jesus didn't say that. He said, I'm in grief. I'm in distress. He knew what he had to face, and he wasn't looking forward to it. He was real. He was genuine in admitting to how he felt And what he needed, what he needed was for them to stay awake with him. To build relationships that protect you from loneliness, you got to be real. You could have friends, but if you're not real with them, you're going to be lonely. You have to be real, authentic, and transparent. When we admit we need people, we will not only find a friend to pray with us and love us, but they will hold us accountable for getting the victory. Sometimes you're real, And then you just kind of like walk away and say, okay, don't don't say nothing. You don't want to be held accountable. And that's what friends do. Friends hold you accountable. Transparency is hard because we don't want to trust. But we need friends. We need them. And like I said, I'm not talking about Jesus and your spouse. You need other friends besides Jesus and your spouse. The loneliest people that I know of are married couples who don't have any friends. You might have gotten married thinking, I'm marrying my best friend. And you find out you can't even talk to them. You can't even communicate with them. You can't even bear your soul to them. There are things that you can't or won't tell your spouse, but you will tell a man or you will tell another woman. Proverbs 18.24 says that a man that has friends must show themselves to be friendly. We have fears. Fear of exposure. Fear of not being liked. Fear of being taken advantage of. Fear of being stomped on. Not appreciated. All of them are hurts that we've all experienced. And hurts can affect our whole spiritual life. Because we're coming today to eat at the same spiritual table. We're all coming to eat one huge table. But if we don't allow god to do something in our life then we miss out there are people who don't come to church activities because tr- they're trying to avoid this person or avoid that person who's the one that really misses out you do and the last thing is caring support proverbs 27:17 says as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another Proverbs 27, 6, and I like this one. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Deep relationships develop us. Without deep relationships, we can't see that spirit-filled creation that God designed for us. He designed us for relationship. He designed us for community. You can get everything from living in solitude except Friends, character, and genuine emotional and spiritual stability. When it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, what does that mean? How many of you have ever had a friend hurt you? That's all? The things that friends say to us, they hurt us, they wound us. But sometimes they say things because they love us. I have, I have my own personal feeling about friends. My own personal feeling is I would much rather you stab me in the front than stab me in the back. Tell me to my face if I have wounded you or hurt you. I can handle that. Don't stab me in the back. Don't talk about me behind my back. Because I can't build a relationship that from my back. I can only build a relationship from my front. So when you're wounded and you're hurt, talk to that person. Don't go around and say, Did you see the way she looked at me? Did you see the way he did? Stab him in the front. That means talk to them. D- don't take it literally, okay? <laughs> I forget who I'm talking to. <laughs> I think you really need to let down your guard. Let it down so that you'll be able to establish friendships. I'm going to close with this illustration here. In the mid-1980s, most of you have heard Amy Grant. Her life was not as charmed as it appeared. Troubles in her marriage, her husband had a cocaine habit, and then they started talking of divorce. And Amy was left in the darkest moments of her life. And this is what she says, for a few days I just stayed in bed and mourned my life. The only hope I could seem to see was just junking it all, moving to Europe and starting everything all over again. It was then that my sister, in a last ditch visit, marched right up to my bed and said, fine, go to Europe, leave it all behind, start your life all over again, but before you do, I want you to go and tell my little girl, how you can sing that Jesus can help her through anything in her life, but that he couldn't help you. When a friend chooses to wound you like that, that friend can be trusted. They're faithful. To build relationships, you got to build each other up and tell them how important they are. When I didn't want friends... God changed my heart. And then I began to pray for friends. Then the reality of friendship came. It takes time. Sometimes it takes finances. But it mostly takes sharing of my possessions. It takes not holding grudges. It means forgiving. It means being transparent. It means letting people in to see the ugly parts of me and being vulnerable enough not to hide them. Some of you are lonely today because you've built that wall around you so tight, and it's been there for so long, and God wants to change that. There's 23 of you out there that have one of these. Can you come up? Just come up and line up right here, right in front. They were all chosen randomly. Just line up right there, right next to each other. We have room over here. Room over here. Doesn't have to be, you don't have to be all spread out. I know you're guys, but it's okay. (laughs) We're in church. You're accountable. Okay. um, Daniel, that way. one line. And the reason that each of them, I I, uh, I asked Chuck to go out and just to give one of them out. And all of these are, they're just little baby toys. And by itself, it really can't do anything. You can just kind of throw it up and down. And that's all you can do. It's limited, it's isolated. Can't grow any more than what it is by itself. But when you take yours and connect it to Toby's, and Toby, you connect it and pass it down to Daniel's and to Art, keep it going, We're getting connected here. As we each get connected, one with another, we can do something powerful together, all different (laughs) colors, all different nationalities. We've got different cultures, different nationalities. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah. see? You've got to build stronger relationships. <laughs> okay. But that's what this does, is it forms the unity that God wants us to have. But it means we're going to have to let go some of the walls, some of the things that we've been holding on to. He says, I created male and female, and it was good. He created us for fellowship, first with him and then with each other. And I want you all to stand. Just stay here. Just stay here. I want you all to stand. And I want you to start just locking arms with each other all the way across. And this is how we're going to end today. This is how we usually end most of our services. we're connected. Some of you need to seek out some friends. Your own kind or completely opposite. Whatever God has delivered you from or whatever God is doing in your life, there are friends here for you. But you're kind of going to have to get out of yourself and reach out and touch someone. Because relationships everything. They're everything. Some of you are here this morning and you feel so alone. And you come and you go and you're still not connected. And I want to challenge you today. Get connected. Get into a small group. Find a friend. You don't realize you're not the only one that feels lonely. We all feel lonely. At times, we've all experienced that. The only way to combat it is to let God come into your heart and into your life and to open you up and let people in. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers that you have brought together under one roof today. Lord, I know that there are men and women here who have prior hurts and wounds they've built their own walls they've built their own fence they've locked themselves in because of the pain of transparency is too risky the pain of being hurt again is too difficult and Lord there's so much damage that has been done in the past but like you said we need to move on Our future is so bright because of you. If we never risk loving someone, we'll never know what it is to experience your love. You loved us when we were still sinners. Ugly, depraved, not willing to bow down to anything. And you loved us then. Lord, help us to develop relationships help us to find a common bond to accept one another Lord, relationships are the only thing that I know of that is a true reflection of you that's what you desire from us and that's what you desire from us help us Lord to be the church, the body that reflects you As we build relationships here and as we take it out to the streets, let us be your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand.